It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Two guys I think we do need to hit on. Um, you referenced Keyboom, so we'll put him on deck. I want to start with Jacob Young. He is showing what I love about this guy and what I talked about on this podcast for the last few months. If you listen, he's kind of been my guy. Before he was in the, the MLB Pipeline Top 30, we were talking about him on Bustin' Loose Baseball. I just love the baseball rat type center fielder. It's speed, it's defense, his jersey's always dirty. You, you look at the second inning and find Jacob Young. He's already got dirt all over. He steals bases. His first hit was a bunt. Uh, on a span of a few days, he had an incredible diving catch coming into center field. He had like the, the out of the year at home plate on a throw from center field. And then the next night, while Masson was showing his incredible out on a throw, he made this insane diving catch, like full extension with his arm way out from his body, you know, coming in toward left center. Uh, I just love what he's given them. It's It's energy. It's a little jolt, little shot in the arm from a 24-year-old who makes contact, puts the ball in play, hasn't hit a ton. You know that'll be the question, kind of long-term power offense. I think he'll hit enough, but you can see that the defense and the speed is is kind of game-changing. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what he's here for, right? He's here for the defense in center field. He's here to steal bags, and you just need him to hit at an acceptable clip, and that hasn't been the case so far. But he's shown doubles that- in the last two games. Maybe that signs of life. Maybe. And and he's shown in the minors, I mean, with enough of a sample size at multiple levels that he can he, he can hit a high average. He's not going to hit for lots of power. You know, he's not going to have a high slug. But as long as he can get on base and steal some bags and play good center field, that's a guy that, you know, if you want a defensive center fielder that can bat ninth for you, that's a guy that you can plug in there. Or if you just need a guy to be that fourth outfielder that you can plug in defensively that's a little sharper in center field or you need someone to steal a bag late in the game. Like, that's what Jacob Young can be. So, you know, he's got a full month here to show that he can hit, and hopefully, you know, those doubles are some signs of life. But I think that's the big thing for him because you've already seen the defense plays. He can obviously steal a lot of bags. It's just can he hit enough to stick with the big league club and be, you know, whether it's a fourth outfielder or – that's you know lead off or not lead off but second lead off guy in the nine hole that can play really good center field for you so a couple more things on on jacob young number one don't you think it's pretty cool 
with how quickly they moved him. He played in the SEC at Florida as a seventh-round pick. So he was tested in a really good conference, as we've talked about with Dylan Cruz. He faced great competition. But it's not like he went 1-7, you know, seventh overall or something. Seventh-round pick. Uh, Jose Ferrer was on the Fred Nats at the start of last year. He's already in the major leagues. I want to say he was the first or second Fred Nat to ever get to the big leagues. Jacob Young was on the Fred Nats last year. He started out in A-plus ball this year in Wilmington. And as you said, then he went A-plus to double-A. He was in triple-A for five days, and then he was in the major leagues. So what an unbelievable journey and ride this has been for him. But I do like the aggressiveness and the urgency they push guys when guys earn it, when guys prove themselves. And we talk about this all the time. They really seem to view double a as the like threshold can you handle yourself in double a and they view it differently than we do they're not looking at box scores for stats they're not saying okay is he hitting 315 or 340 and to jacob young's credit uh last year he scored i think almost 120 runs in the minors it was like in pro baseball aaron judge and then jacob young and then everybody else in run scored uh he was just on base and stealing bases constantly this year, he got to a point where he had had a 15-game hit streak, I think it was, in double-A when he got promoted to triple-A. He had gotten his average up to close to 310 in double-A. But that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for quality of at-bat, ability to, to you know work in at-bat, take pitches and hit with two strikes and do all the little execution things that is asked of you. Uh, if your average is low, they may not care if you're putting the ball in play with exit velocities and barrels. And, you know th Their evaluation was... He was ready. The other part of it, not just physically because of some of the things I'm talking about, but mentally, like we'll move up Dylan Cruz to double A and let him play in Harrisburg because even if he gets off to a slow start, i.e. what's happening, he's not going to get down on himself. He's not going to lose confidence. He's not going to start beating himself up. And they obviously felt the same way about Jacob Young as a 24-year-old in the major league. So I just, I just love Rizzo to me has always been pretty aggressive with prospects uh, that especially the high-end guys. Harper, Soto, Strasburg. Like these dudes don't spend a lot of time in the minor leagues. And while Young is not a, a blue chipper by any means, I think he's another example of like their um maybe their philosophy and, and their willingness to push guys. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that they're not stuck in the ways where it's like, oh, he's got to go through the lumps at double A when the dude's hitting over 300, you know, like he, he's shown he's he can handle it, you know, and he's the same thing at high A, like the guy was hitting over 300 at all those spots for a guy that's, you know, just needs to get on base and steal some bags. And he was doing all of that playing good center field. And I like the fact that they're aggressive, like you were saying, because at some point, a dude just gets comfortable at that level. And he's not necessarily, you know, you need all the experience you can get, but I like continually pushing guys, especially when they earn it, because you can just see what they've got. And I really like that they go with an aggressive approach. And, you know, he, he's not necessarily in the in the realm of those other guys you were mentioning, Harper and those. But I think it's kind of cool because it gives some encouragement to some of the other prospects. You know, we were talking before the podcast and Darius brought up Yo-Yo Morales and getting hits in high A. He can look at a guy like a Jacob Young that's, isn't the top prospect in the organization getting moved up. And he realizes, you know what, if I keep producing, I could be in double a soon, maybe not this year, but early next year. And I could be finding my way into the bigs. You know, these guys that are in some of the lower levels see that a guy like a Jacob young, that isn't the most highly touted prospect in the national system, work his way all the way up and through because he was producing at all the levels he stopped at. And he got to the major leagues and it gives them hope that, you know what, they're noticing us, even if we're not, in 
you know, Harrisburg or we're not in Rochester and we're not a call away from the big, so to speak, they'll still notice that we're playing well and move us through if we keep doing our jobs. Yeah, well said. Uh, who do you think would win a race? This was the second thing I wanted to say about him. C.J. Abrams or Jacob Young? That's a tough one because it seems like C.J. strides when he gets going. It's just tough, but Jacob Young has that burst in center field and that reaction time. I'm going to stick with C.J. just because I've seen a little more of C.J., but it would be a very close one. It'd definitely yeah. be a close race. Let's line those two guys up. All right, now, Carter Keyboom. Uh, I'm not going to overreact. It, it's just too small of a sample, and it's not like he's hitting 500 anyway. He's 8 for 30, which is good for a, a 267 average. But he does have three home runs, one every 10 at-bats. He is, uh, because of that slug, the owner right now of an 890 OPS. But even while things have gone well and everyone's very excited, I mean, his his on base right now is 290. Like he's he hasn't really had many hits other than the three home runs. He's got five other hits. He's not drawing walks. So I'm not here to to knock Carter Keboom. It's been a great story, and I'm hoping he can keep this up. Uh, but we're talking about really three at bats over 30 that make us particularly excited. Um, so I kind of go grain of salt with this. You know, we saw him in the big leagues the first time in, in 2019. Then he got to play a decent amount in the pandemic year in 2020 played over 30 games of the 50 or 60, whatever that was. I barely remember, but uh, he hit 128, 202, 207 in three major league trips, mostly with limited opportunity. 2021 was his most extensive play. And he had what was a little more than a third of a season probably. And he hit 207 with a 619 OPS, which wasn't ideal. Uh, having said all of that, uh, it has been a really good story to see him hit for power, homering in his first game. We talked about that already. He has subsequently homered a couple more times, including in game two of the Toronto series when he went two for four with a bomb. And if you look at his last couple of games going one for four with a knock, you know, he is uh, now four for his last 12 at the plate. So kind of trending in the right direction at this point. But overall for Carter Keboom, I just want to see not only good at bats, but you know, he's not going to homer every 10 at bats, obviously, right? That's never really been what he was in the minor leagues. So it's just going to need for me to see ball in play consistently and the contact be loud. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Carter Keeboom is we've seen him before, so we kind of know what he is. He's going to basically have to play so well that he can get rid of some of the thought process behind what he's been in the major leagues. So, you know, we kind of have an idea of what he is. It's nice to see him succeed, but he's going to have to do a whole lot more of this before a lot of fans jump back on board. But again, I mean, this is a nice thing. If he can continue to hit like this, he was hitting well in the minors. If he can do that the rest of the year. And my thing is with all of these prospects play well enough that you make Rizzo have to make decisions, whether it's keeping him on the big league club next year as a, as a utility guy playing around the infield, or if it's something where, you know, he can be the guy that gets the first call if there's an injury on the infield, all these various things keep playing well and good things happen. And it's a good thing for the organization when all these guys play well. I also like that uh, most of his hits, you know, the three homers are, are poolside home runs, but I believe he's now got four hits opposite way, even with how many hits have been to the pool side, uh, which I just think speaks to, you know, a decent approach for him to this point uh, anything else at the major league level you want to cover before we dip down into the minors well so this is kind of where it's interesting i was talking about this the other day on 106.7 the fan and we generally like to stick to the nationals but looking across entire major league baseball the fiasco that's going on with the angels 
is something that I think has to give you some that we have to give credit to Mike Rizzo and the Nationals for because looking at where the Angels were and they were sitting at the trade deadline and you know I wasn't necessarily as frustrated by the fact that they decided to buy as you were Grant because I didn't hate the idea of trying but obviously that was wrong. And now you're seeing this week, they wave Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Grichik and Renfro and Matt Moore. And four of those dudes end up By the getting way, picked up. Have you ever seen anything like that? I've no. never seen that before. No, absolutely not. It just doesn't make any sense because a lot of those guys were acquired and a couple of those guys. So they had to give up, I believe five of their top 20 prospects in, in a bad system, guys. by the way, like the system was already bottom 10, I, you know, you could even say maybe in some, I don't know what the rankings would say, but I, I think bottom five, perhaps in baseball, like it wasn't good. And they took some of their best guys and gave them up, pushing all their chips in for a lot of the dudes that they just waved. Yeah. And they gave up their number two and three prospects to get Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. And then they end up waving those guys a month later. And the reason I bring this up on a nationals podcast is when you look back at this team over the last couple of years, Think about the position the Nationals could be in right now if they had done something like the Angels, which if you look back, I know we look back now in 2021 and think, oh, okay, when all the stuff started to go bad and obviously 2020 wasn't what you thought. But in the first half of that season, Grant, in 2021, they were 42 and 47, five games under 500. You would generally think that that's not good, but the Angels could have looked at that and said, you know what, we could give it a whirl. That's kind of what they did. And so the reason I bring this up is they looked at a team that had Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, all these guys from the World Series team, and they realized we don't have it. We don't have it. We have to move on. We've got to move Scherzer. We've got to move Turner. The next year, we got to move Juan Soto. It's not going to work. And now look at where they're at, as opposed to the Angels looking at it and saying, you know what, let's get one more try at this. The Angels haven't won anything, and they decided to try it one more time, and maybe that's more of an ownership thing than anything. But it's a credit to the Nationals for looking at a World Series roster in 2019, seeing what happened in 2020, seeing what happened through the first half of the year of 2021, and realizing, although we have some of the pieces left, this is not a World Series roster. We might as well not try and give up prospects that, again, the Nationals at that point didn't really have. And now you look at where they're at in 2023 and you have to be encouraged by this team. The fact that we're talking about this team getting close to 500 next year, possibly and competing for a playoff spot again in 2025. I mean, that's something that if they would have decided to keep all these guys and not acquire Josiah Gray and not acquire Cabert Ruiz and not acquire CJ Abrams and Mackenzie Gore and James Wood and all those guys, it'd be a totally different spot we're in right now with this nationals team and so I know we're talking about the Angels here, but I think the Nationals deserve some credit when you look at it in their perspective where the Nationals were in 21 and kind of compare that to what the Angels did this year. It's actually a super good point. I mean, it's smart because, like, uh, here's the comp I have. I was doing a MLB Network radio uh, national show this past weekend, and, and it came up. I was talking with Jim Bowden, and we were kind of juxtaposing the two. I'm trying to remember who it was that we were talking to. But they were like, oh, you can't trade Shohei Otani. You know, he's just generational. It was basically the same exact thing I remember people saying about Juan Soto. Mm -hmm. You can't trade Juan Soto. Are you kidding me? That'll get you fired. You can't. Watch me, was what Mike Rizzo said. And by the way, the fans despised it. Many of them who are now thrilled with the results, I'm sure, whether they'll admit it or not. Many of them who are excited about Gore and Abrams and Wood and the direction of the team. But it was... 
100% the right thing to do, and he did it. It's not an easy thing to do. Just like the Scherzer-Turner deal was the right thing to do. And, and by the way, all the players from those deals won't pan out. And it's not to say that it'll definitely end up being wins. It doesn't change the fact that whether James Wood uh, becomes a star that we all think he can be or not, whether Gore and, and Abrams continue to develop into it looks like the good major leaguers that they're going to. If every one of the players they got back falls on their face and they end up having four bad years after this, it doesn't change that it was the right thing to do because Soto was not resigning here and, and you recouped as many assets as possible at a time where you were desperate for them. Uh, it's the opposite to your point of what the Angels did. And I think, I said this back when they traded Soto, I think most GMs would not have traded Soto. I really believe that. It's, that is the kind of deal you make that only lowers your Q rating, that makes fans talk bleep about you, that, that will you, you, almost always that deal will backfire. You're always going to be, and Mike no Rizzo doubt. still will be, by the way, when it's all said and done. Like He'll, he'll have traded Juan Soto, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Newsflash. None of the guys they got back are probably going to be Hall of Famers. You know, we talk about Juan Soto, not you and I, but just baseball in general, as if he's having some awful year. Like, look at his numbers. He's a top 10 offensive player in the National League in like these, quote unquote, down seasons. But it doesn't change that they did the right thing. And to your point, the Angels did the opposite. And it was kind of a cool thing to see. All right, well, let's see how this works. Well, you know, what, what's the uh, the meme like? Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see. And they hung on to him. <laughs> let's see how it pays like, off. The, the, exactly. The fourth best team in their own division. Bunch of teams to leapfrog. And they did more, even more than that. They traded prospects and went all in. And it's just a disaster. And I have to imagine everyone's getting blown out at the end of the year. I don't know how they wouldn't at this point. But that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, and, and, and the I'm thing with, you bring that with, up. with Rizzo with that is like, like I said, the Angels haven't won anything. If Rizzo had looked at the 21 team or even a team after that and said, let's hold on to these guys and give it a whirl. Obviously, Scherzer was on the last year of his deal, but maybe they would have tried to hold on to Turner or something like that and maybe do something in free agency. Who knows? But, you know, the way they could have looked at it, they'd won a World Series. They could have said, you know, let's try this one more time with these guys before we let them walk. But ultimately, Rizzo made, I think, the right decisions. And the reason you don't see these kind of decisions made very often is because, like you said, if it goes south, that costs you your job. And that shows you the kind of general manager that Mike Rizzo is. He understands where he's at in this business, and he understands I can make these sort of moves, not to say that he has his job secure, because I'm sure he understood that if all of these things went horrible, then he could definitely lose his job. But he's not afraid to pull the trigger when it's the right thing to do, and I think that has to give you confidence in Mike Rizzo to make the right decisions going forward, assuming that deal gets done at some point. Like, why are we still waiting on that?